Hello, welcome to another episode of The Coin, where we talk about football, life, and of course, cultural idiosyncrasies. So much happening in the world, so much manager drama, both in the Prem and in the championship. There's only one human being I could possibly think to call. He's the Batman of managers getting sacked. You put a symbol of him and he'll show up and give you a good take. It's Matt Jordison, Jordy. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank you, Jared, for having me. You know, you know the man's a call. When there's a manager sacked, who are you going to call? There you go. Matt Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> see that's why people they're like you know what football life cultural stuff that sounds good and it's just two people singing horribly to start the show (laughs) you've lost all the viewers um so so big news going on of course um in the prem and in the championship regarding managers chelsea let's go of thomas tuchel brings on graham potter a a really interesting hire jordy uh how do you feel about potter you're already you're shaking um, your head for the people who can't see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his ratio speaks for himself. I think it was something ridiculous between 25 to 35% win ratio whilst at Brighton. And this it brings up a good point. I know this is about Chelsea, really, but it shows how well tied down Brighton are and how good they're doing over there, really, you know. they got a bit of a thing for making managers' names out there, you know. There's a lot of managers. I think it was uh, Bro- uh was it Broughton or uh Horton Horton who went to Nottingham Forest. Absolute shambles at Nottingham Forest, but because he was his Brighton manager who did a fantastic job, it was a no-brainer for Nottingham Forest. Just like for Chelsea right now, all these people are going. It's a no-brainer. Let's get Graham Potter in. Really, a lot of people are saying now Graham Potter's gone. Let's see how Brighton do. I don't think that's a problem for them. I think them as a club, they're so tied together. They're doing so well. I don't think they actually needed Graham Potter. And I think that that's going to be a big talking point for the future at the end of the season when we see where both teams finish. But I think Chelsea getting rid of Tuchel, a massive mistake. I I, I can't believe you get rid of Tuchel. I mean, he's a world-class manager. He's he's proven that everywhere he's gone. Yes, he didn't win the Champions League at PSG, but which manager has yet? No manager's done it. He's done everything else for PSG, but win the Champions League. That's enough for PSG to walk away and say, you're sacked. That shows the, the difference between Chelsea and the likes of the teams up there, like PSG, City and stuff like that, they want a winner. PSG and all them teams, they want a winner. Whereas Chelsea are quite happy to settle for this manager who's just come from Brighton, who he comes in and he draws 1-1 with Salzburg. If, I, if I'm if i if I'm Chelsea right now, I'm looking and I'm going, wait a minute. There's, this is meant to be an easy game that eases him into being Chelsea manager and he's thrown it straight away. For me, I can see Chelsea finishing maybe eight or ninth this year now. I know that might raise a lot of eyebrows because the team they've got, it is a very good team, don't get me wrong. But I think it's one of the biggest mistakes they could have made getting rid of Tuchel, and I think it will bite them back on the bum. Wow. We'll see how much fire you end up having to breathe for that take there. That's impressive. Um, I, in, in risk of playing a little devil's advocate, I would say, Tuchel had to kind of be the front, the face of the the franchise while they were going through the Abramovich, you know, post Abramovich turmoil, right? With with no hierarchy, the the entire upper management leaving, and you could tell Tuchel wasn't comfortable with it, and he was comfortable under the previous hierarchy. And sometimes teams just want their their people, their guys. So. I think Tuchel's time was probably up. Also, it's Chelsea. All they do is fire managers. The new American owner there, Todd Bowley, 
is already talking about harebrained ideas like an all-star game in the Premier League. Um, I love it. It's like the person that like walks into a situation and puts their hands on their hips and they're like, I know the answer. It's like, well, we've all been in this room for a hundred years, actually. I'm pretty sure we, no, no, no. Allow me to bestow my wisdom, right? Like if you were in that room for a hundred years and that friggin' guy walked in, uh, I, I would find him utterly annoying. So can, can I actually talk, it's actually mad how many eyebrows it's raised. Um, this, cause what he wants to implement is that he wants the North, North Premier League teams, the North stars versus the South stars, Premier League teams and stuff like that. And for me, like, okay, I get it when you come from the MLS and that's how the the way things are run. But you should see how furious English fans are with the idea, the whole ideology behind it. They're, they're not happy whatsoever. Yeah, no, I'm I'm aware of that. And I, I honestly can understand some of the ire um, because not because of necessarily the idea itself. OK, it's because it's this American dude who's been a member of the Premier League for 12 minutes who comes in and just throws this idea out. And this very much has to do with like American sports owners and their specific style of ownership, which is very much, this is my toy. I'm going to do what I want. Here's my ideas. You're going to bend to my will because uh, there's no other game in town. Like you've got, th this is it, you know? So unlike a choice of milk, you don't have a choice of club. You're, you know, people are innately tied to their club through their love, through their heritage, through their geographic proximity, all that yeah. stuff. They don't just switch milk brands. And uh, that's where, you know, sports owners always have us by the huevos. So I don't like Bowley, period. I think that a lot of the ire is just from how recent it is that he's yeah. taken over the club. If he would have waited like a year, you know, like, hey, man, you just took over the team. Why don't you get a fucking year under your belt and keep your mouth shut for a year? Right. Yeah. Like, restore, I, I think, I think, win, win something, hold on, win something and restore a little bit of like, you know, homeostasis to your front office. <laughs> and then you can start throwing out crazy ideas. That I think that's why people are so upset, really. I think I think a lot of it as well comes down to the fact of you remember when they tried to make the Super League, all the big teams trying to come together and make the Super League, and the whole Super League was basically like a franchise thing. And this this guy who has the whole ideology of a franchise because of America, the way the NBA, the NFL, the way all these things are run, he comes in with a not you could say a similar idea of this like big franchise thing. They, they want things to be the old Britannia way. You know, we can't have it. We can't have it any other way now. We've set our rules and we're going to play by them. And the thing is, he's probably getting a lot more slack than he deserves for it. But like you said, maybe maybe he could have kept his mouth shut for a couple of years whilst he, whilst he really found out what English football was about and then maybe come out and talk about it. Clubs, this is what I'm saying. American owners view these things as big toys. They've already bought, they're so rich, they've bought everything else. They own everything else you could possibly dream of. The last big purchase of a billionaire can make is a sports franchise. Yeah. And from their perspective, it's it's no different than you, me, anybody you know buying a brand new lawnmower or a brand new, very expensive tool for the garage, whatever, right? It's like, it's that's what it is to them. Right. So it's no different to them than just a big, expensive toy. They just want to yeah. be in the club. They just want to brag and say, look at the team I own. And it's mo it's money 
just free money because in 10 years they're going to sell it and it's going to appreciate because of the evolution of TV rights. At the very least, we have recent history to go off of to understand that all these clubs are doing across major leagues are appreciating in value. Yeah. So even if your club's not, even if you're not making money every year as an owner, you're making money because your club's worth twice what you bought it for three years ago. So I don't want to hear like sob stories from owners about like how insolvent things are or whatever. It's like, you're going to be fine. So, <laughs> right. So these type of guys only treats it like that. And even Chelsea, I don't like any of the big six teams. I really have disdain for all of them. I hope I make a lot of enemies with that statement. Why? Um, I just, because I don't root for those type of clubs. I root for like the the underdogs, the mid-market clubs, the more blue-collar backgrounds. That You know, they're already, and so teams that just have uh, five times the financial advantage of these other clubs, like, yeah. why would I root for you? I don't root for the Yankees. You know, like I don't root for clubs that do that because it's like this. You're just I don't root for the Dodgers. I root for the teams that are figuring it out and making it work on sometimes a third or a quarter or a fifth of the budget as the big clubs. That's more interesting to me. So, yeah, bringing this back to Graham Potter, the danger is even a club like Chelsea is still innately tied to the community and the people and clubs in England aren't franchises in America doesn't matter if they're both sports teams and they're both in big sports. They're two different things because of their relationship to their communities, right? So I think that's where he's already showing the, the owner of Chelsea, but he doesn't, under, he doesn't get it. And yeah. that's a worry for people when it's like this guy buys it and clearly he doesn't get it. He doesn't get the gravity of what he's doing and the magnitude of his actions. He's just treating it like a jet ski or a lawnmower. It's just any other dumb toy for him. And that is I think a big reason why people are mad. And going back now, maybe two goals firing was a mistake. Um, Graham Potter definitely does not have the pedigree in that you are completely correct. I still really like the club he built at Brighton, despite never really liking any of their options up top. I think they've done such a good job just developing talent. And yeah. a lot of mid-market clubs really look to Brighton as like, now that's a great model, right? They've shown over the last five years, they've really done things right. And Potter's been a key part of that. So I kind of wish him well, but I also don't want to wish Chelsea well. And I also like it for Christian Pulisic coming up to a World Cup. Maybe he'll get some opportunities. So positive and negatives abound. Another manager story, Jordy, I can find no positives about is Huddersfield, who did really well in the championship last year sacked manager Danny Schofield after 69 days. What a number too, 69 forever. They couldn't <laughs> wait one day and make it. It couldn't, it couldn't have been any more sexual, could it? Yeah, really. He's like, fire me today, the 69th. <laughs> um, and 69 days is so such a short amount of time. I mean, Bob Bradley, you know, who almost ruined coaching in the Premier League for all American coaches – still at least lasted 85 days at his spell at Swansea City back in 2016. So we have like a new record for what the fuckery, which is Danny Schofield 69 days after Huddersfield. I think most people find this puzzling, appalling, in bad taste. Jordy, how do you find this sacking? Well, I mean, it was it was a long time coming, really. If you if you if you actually look at um if you look at his games recently, 
I mean, it all looks like it was going to start off well. I mean, when Huddersfield beat Stoke 3-1, Huddersfield must have thought, Jesus, we, we've got someone here. We've got someone who might be able to turn turn events around and do something with our team. Then they lose 2-1 to Norwich, draw 2-2 with West Brom, which isn't bad, to be fair. Lose 2-0 to uh, Bristol, then lose 1-0 to, uh, to Blackpool and 2-1 to Wigan. And... As a Huddersfield fan who last year, you're, you're in the playoffs, playoff finals, by the way. You're not just in the playoffs, you're in the playoff finals, right? You're, you're yeah. absolutely smashing it. You're you're pushing through. You're, you're doing great. And then this season, you start off with two losses. You get this manager in and he gets a win. And then you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe we can turn events around. And then you get four and four trot, uh, four losses on the trot. You, you're already asking to be sacked after 69 days. You're basically gagging to be sacked after 69 days, pardon the pun. At the end of the day... It, the results speak for themselves. Unless that Tuchel, you go look at Tuchel's situation, you go, he probably didn't deserve it. Where Scorfield, you look at it and you go, maybe they held on for him to a little bit too long, to be honest. What, Jordy, what are you smoking? I want some. I want some of whatever you're smoking. Two, he, 69 days? Too long? Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That's look crazy. at it. Look, look how bad they played. If you watch how bad they played, I would have sacked him after his third game. I would say I'm going to take the opposite approach, but this is why you're here. This is why I bring you here. You're throwing firecrackers in the toilet, and I love it. I hope some people respond to this. You heard it here on the coin. 69 I'm days, you, 69, way too long. He lost, he lost, he lost. So he took over, yeah, start of the season, he takes over. He loses 1-0 to Burnley. Burnley, losing against Burnley is fine. He lost 2-1 to Birmingham. Birmingham are in financial situation. Then you lose four one to you lose four one to Preston. When you lose four one to Preston, that's when you forget the sack. You've lost three on the bounce at the start of the year. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. You're done. You shouldn't have lasted four five more games after that. Yeah. Well, they you know so players they lost of some import. Um, Josh Caroma, I think was you know a guy that could do some stuff. They lost Ryan Schofield, the keeper. Why? Because his name's Schofield. He's like there can only be one Schofield. <laughs> Carol Eiding, uh, as well. Tuffalo, no yeah, Carol Eiding, they lost. Uh, Harry Tuffalo, they lost to Forrest Lewis. O'Brien to Forrest. Like, those are two key guys. You're talking about, like, the center of the midfield. I really like Lewis O'Brien. And I like yeah. Tuffalo for certain reasons. So those are some key guys, you know. Um, and they they lost quite a, I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of turnover on that roster. That's what my argument would be for. What, what, was, what was the money they got for Tuffalo and O'Brien? From Forest, they probably, I mean, it's Forest, so I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. They, and Forest have been on the spending spree. If you're getting that five, much money. Five million for Tofalo, valued at 1.4. Five million for O'Brien, valued at 2.7. This from uh, Footmob, the app, which I think they get their stuff from Transfer Market. So, the And they reinvested some of that money into some central defenders, certainly. 10 million in the championships, a lot of money, man. A lot it of is. money spending on players. That I agree with you, for sure. It's crazy though. Sixty nine days. Even if you, if you, and whatever beautiful marijuana you've been smoking thinks that's too long, I think that's still really, really an aggressive move. And I'm really going to be looking at Huddersfield over these next four games to see how they play compared to, and and maybe Schofield will have some vindication at the end. Speaking of vindication, uh, Erling Holland did cost Manchester City less. Than Jack Grealish, and yeah. he already has 
14 million goals in 12 minutes of Premier League. <laughs> he, he's got so many goals, it's unreal. I mean, he's a monster. He is a monster. I don't know which lab he was created in, who's been playing about with some like DNA and stuff like that, but he is an absolute beast. I mean, you only have to look at that goal against his former club, Borussia Dortmund, in the Champions League recently. I saw the Champions League goal where he just put his foot up and just knocked it in. And it to see just someone like that's what is he six foot five like that yeah. graceful? I mean, sure it's slowed down, but I mean, I'm like, is this an angel? Like, did somebody <laughs> is this like from Constantine? Like, did somebody chop off his wings and like you got to be immortal now? Sorry, <laughs> like, is he from the pantheon of Norse gods? Like, did was Odin like super mad and like cast him down from Valhalla and was like, I mean, he's got, he's got, he's got the, the hair tied back as well for it. I mean, he's got all of it going for him. He's got, he's got the physique and everything. I, I find that, you know, when you see true greatness on a level that is almost beyond what you've seen before, I think it's special. And I think like everyone, no matter what, should just sit back and enjoy it. Out of all the teams, I'm so annoyed it's Man City, a club with more money than most countries put together. What I'm saying is he's so good, Jordy. He's so transcendent that I don't even care that he's on Man City. I just <laughs> want to watch him play. I really do. Do, do, you know, I, do, you, do you know what it reminds me of, seriously? And I'm talking from a Blackburn fan's point of view, and I'm sure I'm talking from your Blackburn uh, fan point of view as well. You know, it's going to raise a few eyebrows as well. This is another debate for another time. Holland's going to break Alan Shearer's record for the most goals scored in the Premier League. Wow. Another dynamite stick in the toilet. Unbelievable. He could. <laughs> here's the thing. If any human being ever before or after could, it's not even Messi or Ronaldo. It is actually Holland. Yeah. I, that part, I agree with you. That that Even Ibrahimovic, who I would have loved to have seen Zlatan play nine years in the Prem during his prime, to be quite honest. I think he would have scored a lot of goals, too. And out of those three, which are, I think, the three, and Lewandowski, I would say those are the four most transcendent strikers of the last 20 years, right? And, and, you know, because on, I guess, 15 years, right? Because, like, Henri's, like, you know, coming, like, the guys before them that are are going down in their, at the end of their careers, as Zlatan, Messi, Ronaldo, Lewandowski rise, you know, they took the torches. And those four have been the four, I think, biggest, best names. And to see a guy that's like somehow might be better than all of them is crazy. And, you know, he's more like a Lewandowski or a Zlatan, especially. But to think that there's like a oh, I, maybe a better version of Zlatan out there is bonkers to me. Because I actually I think Zlatan's goals are the most entertaining goals out of like any striker. Oh yeah. I mean that goal against England itself, you know, when um, he hit mm-hmm. it on the half volley on the bicycle yes. kick and it just, I think it was John Terry tried to get off the line. It just went past. I mean, yeah. I hated that it was England. It was against, but Jesus Christ, one hell of a goal. I know. Real magic from him in just such a different way. And I think Holland has that, that certainly. So everybody out there, whether you hate Man City or not, I get it. If you're just a casual you know, if you're just here for normal chats and you don't really give two Fs about the Prem, you should give a half an F about Erling Holland and just sit back and enjoy his career. I think he's like the LeBron James of this era for soccer. I think, yeah. you know what I mean? Like a guy that just you've never seen the skill in that type of body before. 
and you take like an literally like a like a, a body of like a Greek god, like a deity. You <laughs> He's know? a goddess. He's a goddess. Yeah, not like the big boys like Zeus and Poseidon. I'm talking about like Atalanta and like the lower Cupid. God. Cupid. Not yeah, he's got the body of Cupid. He's a little fat <laughs> cherub that's knocked in 10 goals. Um, that would be like the only way I'd be more surprised if there was a tiny cherub flying around. It's, it's, it still that's... stresses me out like you call it soccer. It really, it really, when you as soon as you said soccer, then honestly, my head just turned straight away. Why wow, you guys call it soccer? You have fucking, you have a fucking show called Soccer Saturdays. No, we, we didn't come we... up with that. That was yeah, all that's... your idea. Oh, don't try and twist it like that. It's that's that's because there's nothing being twisted this is a statement of fact you all came up with a show and have been running it for years called soccer saturdays because it's alliteration it's alliteration that's the only reason why if if all all the games got played on on friday what do you think it would have been called soccer fridays no (laughs) football fridays and you know it But the point is, y'all use soccer more extensively than you want to lead on. That's my point. This is like the what. This is why we're. This is why it's called the coin, people. I will never let your country rest on the fact y'all call it soccer more often than you're willing to admit. Like, not that everybody calls it that. I'm not saying y'all call it that in conversation. I'm saying it's marketed and branded in certain areas, and it's on yeah. signs and yeah. on TV screens and on screens. So it's not. You know, I know you all just say football. And I love Thierry Henry's recent take uh, in Champions League coverage. You know, right now the team is Henry, Dempsey, and Jamie Carragher. Yeah, that's is, I love. All it is is one Roy Keane away from being my friggin' dream team. Because I've always <laughs> – Dempsey's always been my favorite player. I'm staring at a jersey of his right now from the 2010 World Cup that I plan on wearing for the 2022 World Cup. So anyway, and Henry's like – what it's they don't even they use they use their foot what maybe every 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> call it football? it's so dumb call it throw ball and i was like i love it and dempsey's over there like man i guess and i'm like you know what Henri, i love you that's so that's perfectly like snooty friendly. have you seen, have you seen that I'm episode have you seen that episode where it's like oh what what was your first ever car and uh Henri and carriga say some like really rubbish old car and then clint dempsey goes uh uh Goes like something like oh an Audi, and he got they all go oh this uh, this guy is living in the future. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I like that. There, I love that team, and I like that. There's a little bit of cultural conflict there. It, there's not a lot of American pundits that could hold their own with those two. That's an intimidating group. So, a if you have an American pundit, it's got to be someone that played at a really high level that's at least somewhat respected. And Dempsey is that, right? Yeah, like I Dempsey mean, I mean, his, his time at Fulham alone earned him a lot of yes. respect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dempsey, Howard, Friedel, I think are the three Americans that Do- Donovan, Donovan, Donovan gets a lot. Yeah, of respect. I don't think he gets the same amount of respect. They do though. Landy cakes didn't even do that great for, Everton I mean, I mean Donovan, Donovan and Howard played at the same level, didn't they for a bit at Everton? They played at the same level, but, but Donovan did not produce like those three did. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. saying the level of respect for him is a full tier below those three. So anyway, you need an American that can ha- hold their own versus Carger and, Henri, who yeah. I still thinks like, you know, the most deadly, deadly striker ever. That's what I would classify him as the deadliest striker ever. Deadly. Um, so I, I love it. If anyone's not watching Champions League, it's a great pundit team. It's a lot of fun, no matter what side of the pond, no matter what background you're at. But anyway, let's close off 
with a little cultural chat. We, me and you specifically, we like to share foods with each other yes. um, and different foods that maybe we'll try one day or have not heard of. And you said today while we were messaging for the show, have you ever heard of a toad in a hole? Right. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Toad in the hole. Yeah, that's the one. Toad in the hole. So not yeah. in a hole, in the hole, right? In the hole. Yeah, it's, it's a bit sexual, actually. Yeah. Toad in the hole, right. Um, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. You sent me a picture, and it looks like somebody threw a bunch of sausages on a pie. So it's not a pie. So over here, we have Yorkshire puddings. You know Yorkshire yes. puddings? So I kind of know what that is. It's basically sausages just shoved in Yorkshire pudding with gravy trickled all over. but. The toad in the hall is you make loads of holes in the Yorkshire pudding, you put the toad in it, and it's a sausage. It's quite a sexual dish, actually. You're just sho shoving a lot of sausages in holes, baking it, and then chucking gravy all over it to make it messy afterwards. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> incredible. I, I got to say, the pictures are amazing. Like the, yes. Some of these look so delicious. I've never had a Yorkshire pudding. Um, obviously. And so when I come over there in March, which is generally my plan, I really would love to try this somewhere. So hopefully it'll be like, does this, is this served? Here's, here's a great cultural question. Is toad in the hole served at restaurants ever? Um, or, or is so, it something you do at home for holidays? So, so here's something, here's something that is another cultural thing, right? So we have, we basically have two kinds of restaurants in, uh, in England, right? We have your nice fine and dine restaurants. Then you have your pub restaurants. So if you go to your fine and dine restaurant, you'll never see a toad in the hole ever, unless it's like a fancy restaurant on classic pub dishes and they try and mix it up and make it fancy. But toad in the hole is usually at pub places. So you can buy a beer and whenever you get a bit hungry, get a toad in the hole down you because it will fill you up and it will sober you up. So it's usually like pub dishes. Okay. Well, I'm definitely trying that when I get there. Hey, trust me, you, if you come over here, you'll be coming to a lot of pubs anyway. So you'll see plenty of it. Good. And this is keeping with the theme that the foods, it, it feels like the trend is going to be the foods you present to me are like these baked or, you know, made dishes. And I'm just going to be sharing with you gross processed food from massive corporations because <laughs> that's more than anything. And the, the dish I'd like to share with you, however, is not that today because I asked you if you knew what a Chaco Taco was and you said yes, which is very exciting. And you've even had a Chaco Taco. Yeah. So I switched it to biscotti do you know what biscotti is not it not a clue not a clue so i'm gonna send you a picture of biscotti it, right it doesn't now. sound very american it's not it's italian um but my buddy over here who's italian always and it was very funny when we were in the marine corps he'd always rail on the fact that when he was a kid coming home from school hungry like a teenager and be like mom i'm hungry ma and she'd be like, go have some biscotti. And it's like biscotti is like a dried biscotti slice um, that you need a liquid for. Like no one eats <laughs> biscotti without a liquid. Because if you bite into it, you might as well be biting into like a piece of concrete. Right. So and it was really dry. It's very dry. <laughs> dry and brittle. I, I know that in New York, especially, isn't there a lot of Italian people? Yes. Or is that, is, that, is that a made-up, like, little thing? No, no. I mean, Ellis Island was a huge port for immigration in various era, uh, you know, parts of American history. And through New York City, through Ellis Island, came tons and tons of Irish, 
tons and tons of German, tons and tons of Italians, which, you know, would, would create little versions, little Italy's and little Ireland's and little boroughs through yeah. the massive sprawling New York City. And so, and, you know, our, uh, Italians are everywhere. You find an Italiano anywhere you look. I'm in the middle of Ohio next to a cornfield and like there's Italians down the street from me. So have you, so now that you know what it is, have you, are the, is there biscotti in England? I would imagine. You've yeah. Seen no, no. Now that you've, you've seen the picture I sent you. I've, yeah. I've seen the picture and I, I've seen them, but I've never, I've never really tried them before. So, okay. you know, in, in England, you get a whole variety of, of biscuits, but biscotti usually, right? Usually they always have a clearance sale section in England. I'm sure they have it in USA as well, but they have a clearance yeah. and biscotti always ends up in the clearance sale. Really? So yeah, it's even yeah. more dry and old because it's been sitting forever in a box. Yeah, and when all the transportation over here and stuff like that, probably in USA because you've got so many Italians, it's made fresh. Go have it fresh. Is it is it called biscotti on the box or do you have a different name for it? No, nah, it would just regularly be called biscotti, yeah. So you now that I've jogged your memory, you're like, oh, this stuff, this stuff. I, but I, I remember, I remember oh, having oh. it like at a young age, and it was so dry, I, I just couldn't stand yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I just always love the story of his mom being like, here, have like a dry biscuit. Like you're hungry. Here's yeah, the worst hungry. thing. Yeah, here's the worst thing you can have for hungriness because you're gonna be yeah. filling yourself up with liquids after as well. I, I, actually, I suppose that's good. Surely, like if you if you if you have a biscotti, you're gonna be drinking a full bottle of water afterwards. That fills you up. Not even afterwards, during. You're going to submerge the biscotti <laughs> in the water bottle and then just let it disintegrate and drink it like a smoothie. That would be the better choice than to drink. At Nobody has a biscotti and then it has a drink after. It's always hey, with you're the, you're the biscotti connoisseur. You're the one teaching yeah. me here. Yeah, right. So uh, if get, convince your old man to buy some and both of you stare at each other and crunch into dry, hard, old biscotti. I don't know if I should do that with my old man. How enjoyable it is. I'm excited. That's, that sounds quite sexual, just staring into each other's eyes whilst we just just get away with eating biscotti, crunching it bit by bit. I think you're just a young man who finds the sensuality in everything I bring. <laughs> <laughs> I was 22 once too. Um, no. Hey, I'm only 19. I'm 19. Right. There you go. See, 19. So it even makes even more sense, actually. You're totally allowed to be a horny. Everyone's horny at 19. Nobody knows what to do. <laughs> Hormones, brain, brain chemistry, it's all it's all still trying to settle. Right. So, um, well, look, I appreciate your hot takes. I appreciate the firecrackers in the toilet. And I, I always enjoy our chats. And I'm very much looking forward to learning more about um, UK foods from you throughout the course of these episodes. So if anybody wants to give you a follow, what's your Twitter handle? So it's my Twitter's uh, Matt.Jordy and then also my Instagram's Rob's Report. So, you know, if you feel free to do any of that, but I just want to say thank you for Jared for letting me come on. As always, it's a pleasure to do these shows with him. He's a top man. And yeah, hopefully I can throw some more, um, more screws in the gears all the time and just mix things up because I love causing yeah. hey, Who are you going to call? Matt, Jordy, da -na 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 -na. <laughs> And that's J O D wait J O R D I right Matt J O R D because I I assume people if they're they're British listening to this they might think Jordy like Newcastle so yeah 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 right so there you go so he's Matt Jordy and I'm at C L E underscore Jared so Clee like Cleveland C L E underscore Jared so follow us yell at us be toxic be wholesome just do whatever you're gonna do give me all your shit i want all your shit chucked at me i want it yeah, all there you go he'll somehow make that sensual as well <laughs> um, 
So that does it for us. Another episode in the books. We really appreciate everyone's support. All of you uh, take care of yourselves out there and uh, find uh, moments of peace and happiness where and when you can. Thanks, everybody.